car getting better. Instead of a big dark car, I see a big light car. There's nothing to see. I used to live here. You're gonna die here. Convenient. Episode 63. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Granny's making chicken tonight. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the uh, last episode of our Star Wars series. Um, we're going to talk about Return of the Jedi today, and, and I'm we, Frank. We apologize, I'm Brad. We apologize for it. Uh, I just realized you didn't come out on a funny story. Well, I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. I'll tell you why um, in a minute. We also have Bill in the studio, Bill, Bill McDonald. Bill McDonald's here. A very Star Warsy morning, everybody. And we have a very special guest, one of Bill's friends and a huge Star Wars fan, Mike. Mike, are you there? Yes, hello. Yes, thank you. Hey, Mike. I want to ask Bill why we should care about what you have to say, Mike. <laughs> um, because Mike is uh, one of my uh, one of my best friends from about as far back as friends go for me, and uh, he is an absolute Star Wars ringer. So uh, you know, watch out, everybody. You better buckle your seatbelts because Mike's taking a ride. It, it also sounds like he's got a good radio voice like, like I'm you. Flattered. Mike, hey, Mike, was that a uh, Star Wars or a Star Trek um, uh, trivia contest you walked in on and uh, won back in the it day? It was Star Wars. That's a funny story. Yes, it was uh, completely cold, and I won the thing uh, against a lot of geeks, a lot of young geeks. That, what was the prize? That's my boy. Uh, I won. It was right. It was zeering when the, the special edition was being released, and uh, uh, my wife took me out, and we went to Barnes & Noble. She knew that this thing was going on. And it was a Star Wars trivia contest, and I sat down with these three guys in elimination. It went on for about me and the last guy for about 45 minutes. I won oh a, a T-shirt that actually, <laughs> that actually you guys will appreciate this. It's a Star Wars T-shirt on the back. It has the release dates of all three special edition films, That's except cool. oh, sweet. Uh, a few weeks after I got the shirt, Return of the Jedi was pushed back a week, so uh-huh. my shirt actually has the wrong date on it. It's a collector's Dig item. It. Exactly. Dig it. Have you now, tried uh, eBay in that thing yet? <laughs> eBay. I uh, know. In fact, I wore it to the ball game Friday night. <laughs> nice. Nerd. Hey, so um, you introduced Bill to uh, his wife, did right, Mike? That's uh, that's right. Well, sort of. My wife uh, at the time and uh, Sasha uh, worked uh, together at uh, one of the best chicken fried steak joints in town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oddly enough, called Mr. So, steak. So, so that's great. So you introduced uh, Bill to his to his wife. And, that's uh, right. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to some business, Brad. Yeah. Concerning you. Concerning me? Yes, you specifically. Wow. I noticed I noticed that we have a um, do, 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 do. I noticed we have a new computer lady do, do, at the top do, of the show. Do. Yeah, yeah, I um I fired the old computer lady. Yeah, you fired Crystal. Oh. Her name was Crystal. Uh-huh. This one's uh, name is Heather. Brad She smelled of gin. Brad, you need to um and Mike, I'm sorry you won't be able to hear this. you need to play uh, I gave you a file. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. That um, I told <laughs> you, do I, not I play. Should I defend myself first? No, no. You need to listen to it first, and then we can talk about it. And then we got to get to the topic at hand, which is Return of Jedi. But um, I'm a little upset. Would you please play it? Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know what to expect here. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hello. Hey, sweetie, what's up? Do not sweetie me. What's wrong? You know what is wrong. Brad fired me. <laughs> what? Yeah, pretty uncool. So now what? Pumpkin, pumpkin. I- I'll talk to Brad and I'll straighten this whole thing out. You know what? We are through. No. <laughs> Goodbye. No. Oh, and I want my Oingo Boingo CD back. No. Yes. No, sweetie. I'll give you your Oingo Boingo CD back. I- just don't leave me. <laughs> I'm so lonely. <laughs> I'm so painfully, horribly lonely. <laughs> So, Brad, um, it's apparently, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, hang on, I gotta play something. I gotta play that again. Just <laughs> this, this top part kills me. Hello. Hey, sweetie, what's up? Do not sweetie me. What's wrong? You know what is wrong. Brad fired me. What? Yeah, pretty uncool. <laughs> Pretty uncool. That's hilarious. Yeah, Brad. Um, uh, that's funny. You know, I, I was trying to keep that relationship a little low-key. You kept it low-key enough that I didn't even know about it. Well, because I, wow. I didn't want to affect the show, and now she won't return my calls. I'm she sorry. won't return my faxes. You know, and... I'm sorry, but listen to this one. Listen to this girl. Episode 63. I'm not... I'm not... She's hot. She does have a sexy but voice. But next time, talk to me if we're going to change staff, because now... Just next, all right. Just next time. That's all I ask. All right, I'll think about getting the old girl back. Crystal ain't gonna. Crystal ain't taking her calls, baby. No, that's good. That's over. So just, just she talks care. to me. I've never told you that. That We've bridge's flown, before. huh? I'll, I'll see what I. Yeah, but listen to Heather. Listen. Episode. Oh, I'm gonna ask Heather out. Don't. Okay. Don't. Don't take that wrong. <laughs> right. But it's just you I'm, know I was gonna meet Crystal's parents. <laughs> you know we were gonna go to her mainframe. <laughs> And meet her, uh, you know, to her server farm where her parents grew up. And I was going to meet, you know, Doug. So, Frank, (laughs) what are your intentions with my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mr. Mainframe. Well, you know what? Let's move on. Let's. Right. Uh, the topic at hand is Return to Jedi. Mike, let's finally get you into this. Turn on the music. Uh, Sorry, Mike, you can't hear it. Yeah, this is just mood music for the whole show. And, Brad, while you do that, let me just give a couple facts about Return of the Jedi. Mike, you with uh us? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can't hear. Same thing happens whenever uh, Howard Stern calls, and I have to. Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so here we got the uh, the original budget was thirty two million dollars, but it grossed as of nineteen ninety seven four hundred and seventy five million dollars. How did they million? How did they do that for thirty two million dollars back then? Well, you know what? We're going to get into that because I have some really? theories. Yeah. You know. Uh, just some interesting stuff uh, about the movie. You know, it um. Steven Spielberg was slated to do it, but because of union rules... You mean uh, direct it? Direct it, yeah. Uh, but because of union rules, he couldn't, so they got an unknown named Richard Mar- Marquade. Marcond? Marquand? Yeah, Richard Marcond, I always thought. And unfortunately, Mike. it turned into a soap opera after he got to it. Huh. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, some interesting... Let's see who I found. There, there were some guys who were, who were slated to do this. Uh, let me... Oh, uh, I'm just glad Lawrence Kasdan had a part in the screenplay. I thought that uh, I, I didn't realize that until I watched it last night. I'm sure I knew it many years ago. Who directed Dune? Uh, uh, David Lynch was offered Return of the Jedi. David Lynch was offered Return yeah. of the Jedi, and so was David Cronenberg. God, who, who I did could not the, imagine that would have been such a funky movie. 
I don't think that would have been a good artistic choice. I don't think it would have been a good choice either. <laughs> I mean, David Lynch did one of my all-time favorite movies, but I don't think he'd be right for that. Is, is Dune that movie? Yeah, uh, the really? long version he had his name stripped I off of it, and so the, yeah, the the four-hour version uh, is directed by Alan Smythe, one of the yeah. few instances <laughs> where you actually see Alan Smythe, you know, on a major motion picture release. Which, um, real quick, why uh, why is that name important, uh, uh, Alan Smythe? Alan Smythe is the name that a uh, director or possibly anybody on a uh, production could use if they don't wish credit for the work they're oh, associated right, with. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, if you if you decide that they have mangled it so badly in the editing or whatever that you don't want to be associated with it, then you tell them, I am now Alan Smythe. I used Alan Smythe on a couple of the projects I used to, you know, <laughs> I did when I used to work here. We had a uh, we had an EXCN show back in the day. This is off topic. And uh, Stay it, on went, topic. it went so badly that I literally turned to the graphics operator about 30 minutes of the show ended and said, uh, put make the director Alan Smythe. Stay on target <laughs> stay on topic <laughs> um okay play that, play that real quick though um where's my mouse no good i can't maneuver stay on target we're too close <laughs> stay on target okay um but and before we get into the topic of the show and it's going to be all return to jedi here um I, we got an email from sean his name is optimus black mm-hmm. on the forum yeah um he does he just started at Murd and the Mercury. He wrote Murd right, and the Mercury right. and X01 and the Rock Solid Steel Bots. Yeah, I can't wait to. I mean, I know he sent us those files. And yeah, I have yet to look at. Oh, them. I've looked at them. They're fun, Brad. You got to look at them. Yeah, I'm lo- really looking forward to seeing. Uh, them. He, uh, his his comp- company's name is uh, PKD Media, and he sent us this email. Hey guys, just wanted to give you two quick shout outs to say thanks for such a great podcast. I truly enjoy the passion and fun that both of you bring to each episode. Thank you, Sean. I wanted to bring up something to both of you before the Return of Jedi episode is recorded. Is it me, or does Han, or does Han Solo, or does the Han Solo character transform from a dashing, cunning rogue to a whoops, aw shucks, goopball in this movie? It's a complete 180 turn for one of the coolest characters in the Star Wars universe. Just curious as to what your thoughts and what you think about this. Thanks, Sean. And you want I would to talk agree about with that. that now or later. I think we're going to get to it, but I just wanted to bring that up as I, we. I don't see it the way he does. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't see him being the goofball in this movie. Okay. I have. Uh, I was really impressed with how he went through it, how his character arc went. Mm-hmm. I actually have an opinion about that as well. I uh, uh, I was thinking about that very thing the other night. I believe I do know the answer to that, but we should get to it later. Okay. Well, let's start with how the movie begins. Which, in my opinion, this movie starts off so incredibly. Slow, Slow, because we see the um. Where, where are those ships called? Those A-wing ships, the Emperor ship, as it comes in. You mean the shuttle? Yeah, the shuttle. Yeah, uh, Imperial we, shuttles. Yeah, the Imperial shuttles. We hear the uh, pilot giving the destination and who's coming, and we see it land. You know, we see all that, and then Darth Vader finally shows up after about, you know, three or four minutes. We see the ship leave and then land, and it's just. All they needed to do was show the shuttle leave and land on the planet and then Darth Vader walk out. We didn't need to see all the... Well, and why did they reuse the shot almost from episode four? Where I think the they first shot reuse. you see is, is the, the Star Star Destroyer City or whatever coming overhead, and it keeps coming and keeps coming, and you think, man, this ship's big, and then it keeps coming and it keeps coming, and it's just like, well, you know, we saw that like six years ago, you know, when uh, episode four came out. Well, they don't. 
they don't reuse that shot. No, I mean, it's not literally reused, yeah. but but the you know the opening shot, basically the opening storyboard for the for the movie was the same for two mm-hmm. of the first three films. I just thought, you know, it was Mark Hand trying to homage you know a, a movie that was in their own line, or <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, was that just a give up? Well, there are a lot of uh, both effect shots and uh, a couple of shots of Darth Vader that are identical. They reverse the negative and uh, really? use them again. Wow. Um, but uh, if you recall, The Empire Strikes Back, I mean, we're a lot of us are spoiled rotten with the openings to many of Lucas's pictures. Yes. But if you recall, The Empire Strikes Back is not the quickest action-oriented beginning as well. No, it's not. It, it takes it, a while for that, too. Yeah, uh, but but I'll argue that, you know, it's kind of what's going on because you have those those shuttle pods shooting off and and robots robots coming out of the uh, the shuttle and, and circling planets and stuff like that. This one, you have a guy, you know, giving direction going, you know, shuttles coming in and there's just... Well, it's probably 25 minutes before you see either Luke or Han Solo. Oh, I, you and know what? Jedi? Uh, I have... The movie jumps into gear for me at the 33-minute mark, but that's after we see Leia's birthmark. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> hey, let, me, let me ask you this question. Some of the shots you're talking about, mm-hmm. were they additional shots that were created for the special edition, or am I thinking of a shot in Empire Strikes Back where they actually inserted a shot to explain how Darth Vader got from one spaceship to another? Um, I, I was able to review the special edition, and I have been wondering. Uh, I talked to Mike about this yesterday. You know, I was going through the movie trying to figure out: was this special edition, or has it just been long enough since I've seen it that I didn't remember this 90 seconds? Yeah. Know, and so I'm I'm kind of lost. Of what? Return of the Jedi? Yes. Yeah. Uh. I mean, they're just it's sprinkled in all over the movie, right? Um, it, whether it was or or wasn't, it's just it's a very slow beginning to a movie that is hard for me to. To watch, which uh, we'll get to this in a minute. I finally figured out why I don't like, why I don't care for this movie. Why this is my least favorite. Okay, it has nothing to do with Ewoks or anything like that. Hey, I know that Bill brought some sound files, and when you feel it's appropriate, you let me okay. know you're going to play one. Okay, cool. Um, so you know we we have um, you know we we have Darth Vader, you know, threatening the commander to you know get this place in shape. The Emperor's coming. The Emperor's and we, coming here. Yeah, and we will double our efforts. We shall double our efforts. That's <laughs> Moff Gergerod, by the way. Moff Gergerod? Yes, it is. The Mo- who's that? It's just that's his name. That's, that's his character. name, Moff okay. Gergerod. Um, then we go to Tatooine, which is kind of fun. We see we see you know our little old and Hardy. We see three PO and R two D two working their way up it, it to to Jabba's um palace. Jabba's palace. What do you guys think about that? I still don't understand how R two gets through all that sand. <laughs> <laughs> really? I've always, really? I've always it's it's a dune, that. and you're just he has no tire. across it, yeah. or how he even keeps up with with everybody. Well, like why didn't Lucas just go general. ahead and give him the jetpack, you know, for the special edition of the, you know, because we know he had him. Maybe he ran out of fuel. You know, you know that's for probably since 19 it. years ago, and nobody ever bothered. That's probably to it. Feel Things about are lean and in, in for the rebellion. That explains why he had that uh, handkerchief uh, sticking out the backside of his uh, casing. <laughs> Just, I reckon you're expected to suspend your disbelief on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, totally. Um, but this is where my problem with the movie starts, and it's right when they get up to the door. And this happens throughout the movie, and um, and it's actually two things. The lighting in this movie is horrible. Okay. It is. It is flat. It for every uh, the it makes the the sets look flat. 
and it happens throughout the movie. Just the lighting is bad. And the shot choices that they use in this movie. And now I'm getting all filmmaker on you guys. But it just there's a lack of imagination on these shot choices. And I think that has a lot to do with the director, who was a no-name at the time, who had done TV movies at the time. And it and as we go through the storyline, I'll point out some of these scenes where I think, why wasn't there a close-up there? Or why didn't they do this? Or why didn't they do that? I agree. He seems to pick and choose from different movies. I mean, he picks from his own Star Wars series. But, you know, coming up to that, uh, that door there, Jabba's Palace, it's, you know, hello, it's Wizard of Oz. Yes. You know, all we're missing is the, the dude, you know, actually, you know, with his little funny hat telling him to go away. I mean, it's, instead it's an arm with a ball socket eye on the end of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's the, it's the exact same thing. They, they yes, it takes in, about it. it takes about an hour and fifteen minutes for the story to become threatening. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what about you guys on just the lighting and the way the movie looks? I th- I, I agree this, with everything you just said. Yeah. The movie just looks cheap. The the sound effects are. I mean, not the sound effects. The the short shot choices are just poor. Even some of the sound effects are really interesting. There's times when, um, like at the very end when they, uh, I, I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but when they uh, they finally uh, blow up the Death Star. Sorry, I should have said spoiler alert there. <laughs> <laughs> can we get that in real quick? Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, you can clearly can hear it, it. It sounds like a pane of glass breaking when they blow up the, uh, the central power unit. It's like, that's a pane of glass. Yeah. You know, what? Oh, what? We couldn't, that's, a, you know, that's a good effect. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so when we finally do see uh, when we finally do see Luke, one of the cool things is that he looks like a priest with that, with you know his uniform. He's got the little turned-in collar in there and stuff, and that actually looks kind of cool. And I do, yes. And well, that scene is is uh, lit and photographed very differently from. Uh, I mean, there's a gear, there's a shift there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there until I think uh, they get back out in the sunlight. That moment uh, is probably one of my favorite moments. Reasons, but, yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I, I love, just like, you know, part of my argument for episode one, one of the reasons why I loved it so much is because you get to see the Jedis at, at, you know, at full power. You know, for the first time, you see a Jedi, you know, in a Star Wars movie who is a Jedi. As he comes in and the, the two pig guards come up and he just brushes them off with a look and a, and a flick of his wrist. And, you know, he makes um, uh, Jabba's, uh, Jabba's second, um, uh, Bib Fortuna. Fortuna. Yes, he <laughs> convinces him that it'd be a good idea to let him talk to Jabba. And I, I just, I love. Jabba now. <laughs> I just, I, as I was watching that uh, last week, I just almost got chills during that scene because he looks so composed and so sure. Yeah, of he does look very confident. And I just, I, I just is one of those you know iconic images. You yeah. know, and and it's one of the things that made me think to myself. You know, there's the first point in that movie where I'm sitting there thinking to myself, maybe. Maybe this movie, maybe I've been shorting it, you know, all these years. I mean, when you've got a top six list of Star Wars movies, something has to be number six, and I'm trying to remember where I ranked it. It was mm-hmm. in the bottom three for sure. But, you know, does this movie deserve more consideration than that? And that's where I first started thinking, maybe I need to reopen my mind and not just assume that this is a disappointment, you know, Star well, Wars-wise. After watching these um, movies in the series, and I, I need to apologize to everybody listening that we haven't done it more timely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Know, next series will be more timely. But anyway, uh, I I lost my train of thought because the music stopped playing. <laughs> okay. Well, we uh, we're on, talking about go, Jedi's and I'm stuff. I'm gonna go like to that. the second disc and start this music here. There we go. Well, maybe oh, I nice. can get a, a thought in. Go for okay. it. Uh, I agree with Bill about giving it shorting this film. Uh, this film, in many ways, reminds me uh, uh, of a similar feeling I got when I saw Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I walked out of the theater thinking, oh, uh, okay, okay, fine. But as the years went by, every and this film and 
Last Crusade. Every time I watch it, I think, you know what? This is a real good movie. Um, now, strangely, this film has was also written by Larry Kasdan, who wrote The Empire Strikes Back, and and a great screenwriter, uh, one of my favorites. Now, did he but have anything to do with the story? The story's, cre- the story's credited to Lucas, and uh, yeah, Kasdan, Kasdan, Kasdan wrote the, the screenplay. screenplay. Uh, um, but uh, this film, strangely, has some of the most banal dialogue of all <sighs> six Star Wars films. My gosh, you're and so the, right. The thing that makes that scene with Luke so cool is that he actually has five or six really strong lines, and Hamill is a very good actor, and he del- delivers them well. I, yeah, yeah, they. I mean, they they struggle with the dialogue, but but overall, the dialogue is poor, and and the acting, in a lot of sense senses, is subpar. And I and I credit that to the director. Yeah, well, I blame the director on that, not giving him just enough to work with, and and. Just telling That's one of the biggest problems with the second trilogy, because George Lucas is a dreadful yes, director. It, it yes. almost makes you wonder if the issues that I've always had with the second trilogy start on episode six, because you kind of wonder, is Lucas kind of you know, taking control? You don't want to accuse Mark Hanna of being a puppet necessarily, mm-hmm. but you know, is Lu- are Lucas's concepts and ideas of, no, this is supposed to be like a, you know, is his whole idea that this is supposed to be like a 50s, you know, mm-hmm. a 50s adventure, you know, it's not supposed to be deep. It's supposed to be very superficial, and that's, well, that's the idea, uh, which doesn't bother Lucas at all. And you can certainly see that in the first, you know, episodes one, two, and three. Get, get, getting a little off topic, mm-hmm. but but talking about directors, look at Raiders of the Lost Ark. That is a serial. That is a 1950s stayback. And look at the acting on that. That is good acting, good directing, and it's still fun, campy. And it's so I argue that that. That it can be done. You can have that 50s type feel, but still be good. Okay, I've never really thought about it that way, but I'm now looking for a napkin to dab away the tears because Steven Spielberg did not direct episode six. It would have been. Spielberg knows how to work an actor. Wow. I just found a a trivia uh, item on IMDb. It says, according to a magazine interview with Irvin Kirshner in May 2004, Mm -hmm. Kirshner states that Richard Marcan didn't direct all of episode six. Interesting. It was Kirshner's assistant director, (gasps) Ann Lucas, who took over after the actors didn't respond very well to Richard Marcan. Oh, my God. (gasps) I can't believe I didn't know that. The relationship between, yeah, the relationship between Marcan and Lucas was said to be bad. On the DVD commentary, however, Lucas claims he worked quite well with Marcan. Of course he does. So, I'm not going to blame I, him I didn't know this too, that. which mm-hmm. to me this explains a lot. Wow! And, and Mark Hand, he has since passed away. I'm pretty sure he has. That so I mean, know. you know, we, we, you know, I don't know how he was as a person. So we're just talking about his body of work here. And so he you died know, September 4th, 1987. Yeah, it, it it just was a poor choice of directors. That movie killed him, huh? I guess. <laughs> um, the music number in Jabba the Hutt in Jabba's palace. It go, for me goes on too long. It's silly. I didn't get it. It didn't move the story forward. I'm this, not even talking this, about. You talking about the new edition? The special the new edition. edition. It doesn't matter if it's the new edition or the original. They're still well, both yeah, bad. The new edition is even longer. Though. Well, I, the original one didn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. But because it sounded alien to me. Okay. The the new music, it goes back to what I said about the prequels. He did it because he could, because yeah. he had the technology to create this new band. To create, you know, he he had the money. It was his baby. Yeah, I want to change things up because I can, because I'm George Lucas. And it literally, it, it sounded too good. It sounded too produced, obviously. Because, yes. You know, today's yes. Standards. Well, it didn't sound yeah. alien. It didn't sound alien at all. It sounded like a like yeah. a like a swing band. Like yeah. A, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, 
and it, it just I, it kills me. The the thing that kills me, right? I agree 100%. It sounds too produced, but also it goes too long. I mean, do we really need to see singing and dancing in a Star Wars movie? No, we don't. I I, I the can't I go back to the can't see this scene in in uh, in the in the original in New Hope. You know, we got what maybe 10 seconds of that music and then the story moves on that's all we needed from this band we didn't need a whole minute and a half two minutes of singing dancing i mean i was really is that it well you can't hear it mike we're listening to the music right now didn't uh didn't lucas direct star wars episode four new hope yes he did yeah so what changed i mean this guy directed American Graffiti, one of the more human movies that's come out, you know, in the latter half of the 20th century. Um, well, for a superficial summer comedy. But, uh, you know, he's directed actors before. He's done it well. And I just, uh, I'm not going to get too off topic, but, yeah, his directing of the actors uh, in the first three episodes always made me cringe, except for, uh, except for Qui-Gon. Well, here's the yeah, thing. Here. I, I think I, I have a response to that. The, uh, Lucas, at the time of American Graffiti, and I agree 100% with what you just said, uh, at that time he was an independent filmmaker trying to get into the system. And so he knew at least part ways how to play the game and what to do and how to tell a story. After And Star Wars is the same way. After Star Wars, he was in the system. And then he figured out how to make money. And then, he became, and then he owned the system. He became truly independent and started making what we've seen recently. Now he doesn't have to play by the rules, and this, this is the work that he produces when no one is looking over his shoulder. You know, what, what, what an interesting uh, comment you just made there, Mike. He started off as an independent, then he worked the system, and now he's independent again, but on a different 180-degree yeah. level. He can do whatever ever just like an independent guy has to struggle to make things work but he can basically do what he wants then you got to conform to the rules but if you want your scene film yeah you, if you want your your film screen if you want people to see it you have to play the game at some level yeah and and he doesn't have to do that anymore and mm-hmm. now this is the result <laughs> um hey what, uh, is this a i'm sorry uh, tell me when is a good time for my first list uh, well, what's the list? What you got? Well, as the, my thousands of uh, email uh, uh, responses uh, tell me, uh, the lists are. Have, I don't know are, where are you're getting these declining thousands. in popularity. You know what we I need to do? Anyway. You know what we need to do what's seriously that? is send a, a, a create a, a set up a new email okay. address for you, like the voice <laughs> at gmail dot com or something like that, for for people of fans of the show to to. You know, send you a message and, and uh, you know, I would love that. I think that'd be awesome. We'll do that later today. I would, uh, I would try hard to respond to all of those too. Yeah. That would be nice. I mean, I, I would, I would take some time away from raising my children to do something <laughs> like that. I'm gonna stop the background music I while love it. while you do your list. Um, okay, so I um, do these involve sound clips? I usually uh, this brought? one this one doesn't. Some of them do. Okay, um, well, let's talk lists. I, I generally bring one list uh, for each show. Uh, that is my want, but uh, in honor of episode six, I've actually got six lists. Dang. I know. I, I stayed up too late last okay. night uh, working on this. Uh, my first they don't have list, 50 items like your superhero names one. No, it, it's 63, right? <laughs> yes, that, it's episode right? six. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, Mike? No, I'm kidding. Hey, Mike? Yes? Is, is Bill a whipping sometimes? <laughs> I'm sorry? Is, is Bill a whipping sometimes? A whipping? Yeah. Do you just, you just feel like saying, Bill, that's enough. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 why I sent him to Dallas. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right, let's let's it, hear though. this list, baby. Let's hit the first list. All right. Um. So uh, my first list is uh, top six uh, Jabba's throne room minions. 
And these are um, actual names of these are actual minions of Jabba the Hutt, and these are the top six as sent in by the viewers. I hope there's one I hope and, is in and here. compiled by me. Okay, uh, number six, Boba Fett. Hang on, mm-hmm. make him say it. Bobo Fett. No. no, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Yay! There's much rejoicing. Number five, Cy Snoodles. He, of course, is the lead singer of the Max Rebo band. It's a girl. That we just referenced. Mm-hmm. It's a girl. Cy Snoodles. It doesn't sound like a girl's name, does it? Well, you can tell it's a girl because it sounds she like sounds a, like a girl singing, and she's got the big red lips. It sounds like someone who's been made who lives in, like, Atlantic City to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Um, and she's totally hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not as hot as Leia, but in an alien way. Um, number, uh, number four, Bib Fortuna. Yeah, he's cool. I like uh, The I chief like aide of Jabba. Um, number uh, three, Han Solo, <laughs> chief antagonist, <laughs> well, unfortunately is, is a is minion he... of Job at the time. Now, he doesn't have much to say about it, being encased. That's in, true. Yeah. But he's more like a table lamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love lamp. I love <laughs> Number two, Salacious Crumb. Yeah, he's the little monkey dude mm-hmm. thing that's like sitting in the folds of Jabba's tail. He's considered stuff. the court jester. Yes. The, the official He like uh, eats 3 eye. Propaganda. Yeah, that son of a gun. I didn't like him. And number one, number one minion in Jabba's throne room, Ula. Ula. Yeah. She's the Twilight girl that gets fed to the Rancor. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty hoping. Pretty sad. What a, what a senseless waste. <laughs> I was hoping you would say Yak Face. Because oh, Yak Face man. has been the background he there. Just, he just missed. <laughs> I only did top six. Hey, he was number here's 42. Here's another trivia bit okay. that, that applies. Uh, among the aliens in Jabba the Hutt's entourage are ones named Klaatu, Barada, and Nikto, after the command given to the robot Gort in the day the Earth stood Outstanding. Oh, you know, if yeah. Ash could have remembered those three names, he would have heard a lot of trouble. The <laughs> aliens are not referred to by name in the film, nor do they have any lines. Hmm. But well, you know where else named... that shows up, right? Those are the words that Ash is supposed to remember in yes. Army of Darkness, right. Evil Dead 3, that he <laughs> doesn't quite get right. And um, there's much rejoicing. Shop smart. Shop that smart. <laughs> Lay in the golden bikini, in the gold bikini. That was the uh, the you bikini know, that launched the thousand starships there. <laughs> yeah. As 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 a as an older gentleman, uh, you know that super size. It looks that, like we're going uh, over thirty here. Mm-hmm. I view that um, differently than I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I was so yeah, into I, the, I was so into the movie mm-hmm. that that costume didn't. Mm-hmm. Affect me the way it would now. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of it that way. Maybe let's see. I was when it came out in '83. That means I was 14 yeah. years old. We were in the 10th grade. Yeah, I, so that's right in our wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we were confused and yeah, excited I, most of the time. Maybe I didn't want to think of it that way, and I was just into the movie. Well, boy, I thought of it that way. I, you know what, I did too. I was just like, wow. And you know what I thought the other night when I was watching uh, the film again? Uh, that thought passed through my head again, and I, and I actually remember thinking, wow, uh, Carrie Fisher was a beautiful, beautiful girl, um, young woman. Uh, she was 18 when Star Wars was made. She was just a beautiful woman and a good actor. But the funny thing is now I kind of feel bad thinking that way about her because we've seen more of Carrie Fisher, and I really respect her and like her, and I mm-hmm. kind of feel bad because if I knew her, I would be like, I'm sorry, I thought about you that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm so I don't conscious have, about it now. I don't have a problem with it. She is beautiful in that yeah. in in that scene, and just I don't I don't know. She's radiant. She's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that that gold bikini has become mm-hmm. such a such a uh, a geek standard. Like, well, uh, such a uh, an item of pop culture. 
mm-hmm. you know yes. that that it has appeared in other shows like uh, Rachel dressed up in the in the bikini for Ross yeah. on mm-hmm. Friends. Yes. Um, there was a I think there was a Veronica Mars. Uh, episode where, yes, there was. The lead. Now, well, she was in the movie Trek, uh, Trekkies. Or what's the name of that movie? Oh, uh, you're you're on it. You're on it. Um, yeah, isn't it Trekkers or Trekkies? Or, yeah, I, Free Enterprise. I, there's so there's many two of, those. of them. There's One so of many of those. Free Enterprise. The other is yeah. Trekkies or Trekkers. But um, yeah, it's my girlfriend, Kristen Bell. <laughs> there, she is there cute. Are, I've seen pictures from you know like comic conventions. Where I have a picture with a model in a in a yeah. gold bikini. I saw one. You can find it, you know, on the on the interweb. It's um, it's like a picture of like thirty <laughs> girls dressed up in in the, the Princess Leia bikini at this yeah. comic convention. Wow. So, a real chorus line, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, watching that movie again, yeah, it was. I liked that. Well, part. it just reminds <laughs> you what Lucas said. There's no underwear in space. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really say that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're they're talking about how they were uh, um, how they're dressing Carrie Fisher in the first one uh, with her robes on, and yeah. apparently he didn't want uh, he didn't want like panty lines and you know stuff like that. So he well, finally told Carrie Fisher, "Look, there's no underwear in space." <laughs> and, and you can see her birthmark at that point. Um, no, it, it, it comes in later, but but yeah, you can... I, I'm just curious why they didn't take it out. But it says anyway. here, Carrie Fisher's birthmark is visible in the desert scene where she turns her back to the camera to swing around a yes. mounted laser gun. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Most people don't know that it's the exact shape of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> is it? Just a coincidence. I always assumed it was Jabba's branding iron or something. Oh, you know what? that's I nice. I don't think I've ever noticed a breathmark. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I remember noticing it the day I was in the theater. I was hunting for wow. sound bites last night, so I was I admit, skipping I back no and forth. And I, I saw it for the first time last night. Um, at least the birthmark? I remember noticing it. Yeah. I was, I was just sitting there looking. I was, I was like six inches from my computer screen. <laughs> yeah. and so, yeah, it was kind of clearly apparent. I'm going to call it up on <laughs> my iTunes. I've nice. got, I ripped all the all six of the Star Wars movies onto my computer and then converted oh. them to be able to play on my iPod. Mm-hmm. So I've got them on iTunes. I can watch them anytime I want. Um, I'm going to look for that birthmark. When, just a while, while you look for that, um, while, while Luke is, um, when Luke first goes to see Jabba, he and he before he drops in the rancor pit, um, you know, he calls over a blaster. Remember that? Yes. To shoot him. Yes. Did anyone strike that as just kind of weird that he would use a bl- the Jedi using a blaster? That just seemed no, kind of no because he wasn't weird. close enough to stick him with a lightsaber, so he he didn't have a blaster on him. He called it and he was going to shoot him. Uh, yeah. It just, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Really, I, I had a little bit of a problem with it. But. It's actually the, the first scene in the movie that I, that. I don't think takes too long. Is, is that whole <laughs> scene of the Sarlacc? Uh, the Rancor scene. Love I always, it. Top I notch. Was, I always thought. Top notch. Um, you think? Really, Mike? As yeah. I've as it's, I've gotten older, it's it's started to wear on me a little bit uh-huh. because I can tell it's a miniature. Yes. Especially when when the Rancor's drooling and you see that one uh-huh. that one. Uh, the physics slobber. aren't right. Yeah. yeah. The physics aren't right. It's it's. You can just tell it's a. I mean, I can. I can just tell it's a. a Miniature and yeah, I'm. I can suspend my disbelief. I tell you, one but, of the but, well, I, uh, Mike, going back, this is another scene where the lighting that doesn't match the rancor. That this is one of those scenes that's just like, oh, it's just well, so off. I, yeah, and I, I agree with that. But I would argue that I would argue in def, in the defense of the production that uh, that scene in particular is a good example of this. And I was thinking this a moment ago. There are several scenes in this movie. I mean, of course, nowadays it doesn't hold up to a lot of scrutiny. But at, at that time, there's that scene, and there are a couple of others 
where the production team, in every literal sense, broke new ground in effects work. The Rancor was the first combination of stop motion and CGI. And so it, I imagine it was difficult to light that, so I give them a little bit of credit. Okay. I, one, of the other, uh, one of the second things, uh, uh, the second thing that made me think to myself, man, uh, this movie might need to move up on my list, is just uh, as I sat there, it was just it was refreshing. The entire movie, as I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this, I mean, obviously he added some CGI in later. Obviously they had some you know, rudimentary CGI at the time. But the whole movie you're sitting there going, my God, those are all models. That's a, that's a model. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's a real physical you know, piece of, of, you know, it's a real physical object. It's not just something some flyboy on a computer coded in there. Yeah. And I just, I, I appreciate that so much, you know, just the, the literal artistry. Not to say that the first three movies, you know, and everything else that's been done since then aren't worthy of being called art, but I just, I loved the models. Well, definitely the stop motion was so much better of the Rancor compared to the um, Empire with the, uh, what are the creatures called that run the, on Hoth? Oh, Tauntauns? Tauntauns. Ray Harryhausen? Oh, yeah. yeah. Tauntauns. <laughs> uh, bad. <laughs> well, it is a little better. You, you know, the, the Rancor is a little smoother. It was, um, you know, I, I go back to the lighting on it. Uh, one scene I did want to bring up, though, is when Luke and Han... Uh, oh, I just uh, saw the birthmark. There it is. You just saw it? Yeah, I'm looking oh. at it on the iTunes. Um, the scene where there after uh, they bring him in front of... Jabba for the first time, it's Han and Luke, and they have a little bit of exchange about, like, talking about how, you know, thanks for the rescue and stuff like that. And that was really reminiscent of that scene in Clones where Anakin and Ben yeah. are, you know, they're trying to rescue Ben. and, and Yes. And uh, th- that scene was very reminiscent. And that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, look at that. He's kind of coming back to the well. That's nice. That's really nice, you know? Uh, he yeah. tried to do that. Well, I think a lot he went back to the well many times. Yes, he did. Uh, each, really uh, uh, both trilogies are a metaphor for the other. Uh, for yep. Back and forth, I think. Yeah, he really referenced the original trilogy a lot in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And, and it keeps the tension down in a life-threatening situation. This is a movie made for 12 and 13-year-olds, and they should be able to watch it. So, yeah. speaking okay. of uh, movies made for children, uh, is this a good time for my next list? Okay, let's sure, go for it. This is. Uh, this, this is a sound the, file one? This is the top six deaths in episode six. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Uh, crank it up. Uh, okay, Mike, geez. unfortunately, Mike, you won't be able to hear these. All right. Uh, the first uh, death is... That's um, uh, the bug that uh, Jabba grabs out of the bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Just, yeah, I mean, could you, know, you hear that, start, Mike? Start low, yeah. Mike, you start could low. you hear that? No, I didn't hear it. I wonder okay. I hold this up to. Okay, the uh, the next uh, the next unfortunate uh, demise in Star Trek Six. Star, uh, Star Wars. Wars Six. Hello, I'm trying to do two things at once to teach me. That's the little. Yeah, there you go. That's the bug outside Jabba's palace and that little frog things. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the space fly that gets eaten by the space frog. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the next one is uh, where the Rancor uh, has himself a. <laughs> he's eating the Gamorrean guard. Yes, and then the nice. uh, uh, I wanted to stop here because uh, the next one, uh, 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 number three, is the Rancor itself, as follows. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> 
I love that how Jabba goes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, he is mad. <laughs> what happened? I like the the, 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 the little uh, rancor keeper. Yeah, he comes he out. So he starts. He starts bawling. Oh. Heartbroken. <laughs> oh man, death number two is uh, is is Boba Fett uh, in the Sarlacc pit, uh, which amuses me. Go, Boba Fett. <laughs> hey, okay. There's a lot of burping. Yeah, there is a lot. Why is that every de- I, I didn't realize until I'm compiling the list that apparently every death in The Empire Strikes Back, um, excuse me, in yeah, whatever movie we're doing here, uh, is accompanied with a belch. Um, <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. I was going to edit a, uh, a belch onto the number one uh, death in uh, episode six, um, but that would be... <laughs> I know what to do. Was that the poor little Ewok? No, that would be the Death Star. The number ah. one, number one. De- okay, if you want to, you know what? We really should probably. Okay, tell you what, we'll we'll strike that table F. Uh, can we edit that out? <laughs> um, okay, here uh, is the new number one death in Star uh, Wars Episode Six. <laughs> That's uh, the Emperor. Yay. <laughs> yay. Yay. And there's much the rejoicing. Dead. Yay. You know, I noticed a lot of... And then the Death Star burps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be <laughs> I noticed a lot of... Um, you know, it kind of did burp. I it was like... It does. In rewatching um, the... Uh, well, any Star Wars fan knows that the Outer Rim territories are loaded with cilantro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in watching... Um, the it's hard to take. And all, watching all these movies uh, again, I've noticed there was there was this one particular scream. Oh, that has a that, famous name. Yeah, the Ben Burt scream. Yeah, right. Isn't that the name? Something like well, that. Well, well, maybe not. But Ben Burt was the was the audio guy, especially on the prequels. Oh no, no, it's called something along the lines of the Harvey or the yeah. Um, if you're on the net, Brad, type in like famous Hollywood screams, and it'll probably come up. It has. It's named after the guy who actually did that scream. It was a canned scream. It was used in tons of movies. Once you hear it, you you'll recognize it in so many movies. Oh, it's in Raiders. It's in all all, all of the. It's in all the Star yeah. Wars films. Yeah, uh, and a bunch of Brady Bunch episodes too. <laughs> hey, um, while Brad looks that up and stuff, what did you guys think of the scene of the barge over the Sarlacc monster? Um, for me, the physics of that scene, you know, because it's so still, it's just, it's just there while everyone's jumping around and Han's trying to save Lando and stuff like that. That's always kind of bugged me because it's just so still, you know, it's not floating. It, to me, it should have been floating and lumbering a little bit. I can see it. I, that again was the the first scene of the movie, uh, or the first sequence of the movie. I thought, all right, you know, we're up to speed. Yes, and and that's know, where we are up to speed. And I just I I, I really I love that scene. It, it drags a tiny little bit as they're trying to get uh, Lando back up the uh, the side of the mm-hmm. you know back up the side of the pit before he falls in. But uh, I just I love the explanation that uh, you know if you 
you know, God forbid you fall into the Sarlacc because you'll be digested for a thousand years. <laughs> like, I told that to Zoe, and she kind of she kind of gave squinch face to it. <laughs> it's Ben Burt is the. Now go to your room. <laughs> ben Burt is the uh, name name of the man I was looking for. He uses that. I can't find the name of that screen, but it's in all the Star Wars movies. It's like ah. Yeah, you know, uh, Brad, uh, you go back. 30 years, yeah. and that, that scream has been used. And I'm sure someone will post on their forum the name yeah, of it. I can't remember the name of it. Um, Wilhelm well, Scream. There you go. That's it. Wilhelm. He rediscovered that scene uh, over the Sarlacc pit, actually, uh, also, uh, I think one of the one of you said earlier that the movie kicked in at minute 33. For me, uh, it starts uh, when Luke w- nods and waves to R2-D2, and that's... I remember when that movie came out, uh, I was so hung up on Star Wars at that time, watching Siskel and Ebert, and that was the clip they showed uh, <laughs> when they uh, reviewed the film. And uh, that's a seminal moment for me. Yeah, because that, I mean, if you really think deep about it, this is how well Luke had it all planned out. Yes, exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yes. You know, it, it, every, everything seems to have been a disaster, but no, he had this figured out. Yeah, the whole idea is to get to the Sarlacc. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the way, in, in many cases, you find James Bond setting himself up in those situations. Oh, yeah. Uh, where uh, everything looks like a disaster, when in fact it's all part of the plan. Uh, what do you guys think about Leia, the way Leia killed Jabba? I thought it exhibited her connection to the Force. She was drawing on reserves of strength. Oh, good point. That she did not. Oh even, my gosh. That okay. she did not know she had. Thank you because, for saying that. Because she was the other. Because so I've always thought, and, and I've never considered that until this very second. But I sat there uh, watching it, thinking to myself, "You got to be kidding me! This dude is like one big muscle. He's like, you know, that's the eight only feet way in she circumference, and she's choking him. That's the only way she could have is I mean, drawing on you, Brad. the force without even realizing it. Thank you, Brad. Because in my notes, I have yeah. Leia Check. killing Jabba. Boring. But you saying that. Changes yeah, my yeah, it makes, changes it makes, totally my makes it completely. Let me read this paradigm. real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Burt rediscovered and named the now ubiquitous Wilhelm scream sound effect yeah. in the Warner Brothers sound archives. To date, it has been used in over seventy-five films. Can, can you uh, you want to see if you can find a Wilhelm? Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, oh, great. Listen, uh, Ben Burt created the voices and sounds for aliens and droids of Star Wars and the voice of ET. To come up with Chewbacca's voice, he went to a zoo. But that day did not find what he wanted. Later, at an animal farm, a bear's growls provided the basis for Chewbacca's speech. And Bert added to that the barks, growls, and whimpers of dogs and lions. He was finally satisfied when he went to Marine Land in California and recorded a walrus, which was moaning because its pool had been drained for cleaning. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. How oh, cool. I've long heard that the TIE Fighter is an elephant and the Millennium Falcon's engine is a P-51 Mustang. You know what, uh, um, the, the guy who does the audio, he's so inventive and stuff like that. Yeah, I could totally see that. Check this out. To create the rumbling sound of the gigantic boulder in Raiders of the Lost Ark, he placed a microphone close to the tire of his Honda Civic <laughs> and as it coasted slowly down his gravel driveway. The recording was later engineered at various speeds to replicate the rolling boulder. Nice. He created the sound of the lightsabers uh, by mixing the humming sound of his TV set tuned between channels with the sound of an old 35-millimeter projector. Very cool. Wow. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we're off Tatooine now. Yeah. Um, this is when, uh, when Luke 
says, hey, we're, yeah. we're going to meet up with them later, but first we're going to go visit yeah. an old friend. Um, let's see. In my notes, have, um, and here's something that I'm very unclear on in the movie. Did Luke spend time with Yoda after Empire, but before Return? Because Yoda said, uh, or because Yoda says, says to Luke when he asked if Vader's my father, told you he did, referring to, to Ben. Right. Uh, so, did Luke spend time with Yoda? I know we have to speculate on this because it's not really in canon. Um, well, it's not in the in the film canon, but I had heard my belief had been for a long time that it's two years between episode uh, between New Hope and the Empire Strikes Back, and between Empire and Return of the Jedi is a space of six months. And no, Luke did not go back. He spent that entire time. After he healed up at the end of The Empire Strikes Back, I, in my understanding, has always been he went straight to Tatooine, holed himself up in a cave, and built his lightsaber. Well, have you read the book called Shadows, Shadows of, of the Empire? Empire? Uh, no, uh, but I read the graphic novel. I know the story. It <laughs> takes place in between episodes five and six. Yes, that's and, right. I did. Yeah, that's and right. And it does, do the, the novel especially, does elaborate on some of the training that, that he continued on yes. by himself. And that is a part of the... So so he trained by himself in shadows because I read it, but I yeah. just don't remember yeah. much of it. Okay. Yeah, he, he did a lot of meditating and training by himself. Um, I found on YouTube, I found this thing called the Wilhelm Scream compilation. Oh, my. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I wish you could hear it, Mike, but um, hang on. Here it is. Here's an even better one. Star Wars excessive Wilhelm screams. <laughs> it's only 52 seconds. Let's see. Let's see if we can uh, hear a little bit of this. Oh, there it is. Oh, somebody. They're just repeating right, somebody's, it. Somebody's playing it. Somebody's playing the. Uh, the YouTube is lame. Yeah, they edited <laughs> it together. But um, that's that was the scream, and, and it's awesome. in all the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's in all the Indiana Jones movies. I've seen in episodes of Justice League, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, <laughs> is it really in yeah, SpongeBob? It's just, yeah, it's just a famous yeah, scream that, awesome. that we all know and, and recognize, but it never had a name. I learned about it on NPR like about three or four years ago. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Um, all right, so where are we? Um, so we're on Tatooine, I guess. Um, you are know, we on Tatooine or Dagobah? Uh, Dagobah. I'm sorry. Um, Yoda has passed away. He's disappeared like he was supposed to. Like, you know, yeah. we find out why he did later on. Forever uh, sleep. <laughs> which, is, which is, again, a, a, a poignant scene, very nice, um, very reminiscent of Empire. And, again, you believe a Muppet is real. You believe that Yoda is is really there. Once again, compared to the CGI version, yeah, you just can't beat hands it. down, you can't beat that puppet. Yeah, Mike, Mike your opinions? Um, on, on I agree. I have no problem with the CGI Yoda, especially by Revenge of the Sith. Um, and it is plus, it, oh, as as a general rule, I'm a guy that looks at Star Wars like you know, it is what it is, and I tend not to be overly critical. I think, um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. He is there. Uh, see, the thing is, as an actor, I would think that Hamill or Samuel Jackson or anyone else would have a better time dealing with a puppet or a painted brick than they would acting to a stick with a green light on the top of it. Agreed. Because I know so. I could. 
Um, I, uh, one thing I want to bring up, and this is this is always I can remember first when I first saw Return of Jedi. This scene made me scratch my head, and it's when Ben shows up on Dagobah, and him and Luke have that conversation. Now Ben, for the most part, is part of Force, so he's kind of a ghost image. He's just kind of there, but for some reason Ben sits down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> him and Luke have a conversation, and I remember thinking, why does he need to sit? <laughs> and what what is he really sitting on? Yeah, exactly. Good question. He's sitting on a ghost tree stump, apparently. Well, is he, or maybe? Maybe he's even he's got such good leg strength for an old guy. He's just <laughs> he's squatting. It. He's squatting. He goes, "Where's that? Where is that stump? Right about here. I hope this looks right. And I'm gonna try to hover right here and not move. And maybe I'll fake Luke out, and make him feel comfortable." That always you know? struck me. As I did. Funny. I, I did think of that. Yes. And something else that happens is when he first walks in, mm-hmm. he brushes like he walks underneath some trees or something, oh. and he something hanging from a tree like moss or something. <laughs> It, his shoulder hits it and moves it out of the way. Wouldn't he just pass wow. right through that? Well, you know the tree's part of the force, too. Yeah. Maybe he has oh, to walk yeah. around it. Oh, yeah, because the force is on the right. It surrounds trees and binds them, too. Uh, no, you know, I think it's it's bad directing. It's, it's you know, the director going, okay, Ben, you're going to walk through here and then sit. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the briefing scene? At I, the, uh, uh, I, I just, uh, oh. just to go back to... Uh, 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 Yoda and uh, Luke, uh, just briefly. Uh, that was the first part uh, as I'm watching the special edition where I'm thinking, is this uh, is this extra? Is a scene longer in the special edition than it was in mm. you know the original? Which I have nothing to compare it to. That, that fairly long conversation between um, Obi-Wan and Luke. It, it seems like they do this a few times in the special editions where they just they link the scenes out to just completely explain stuff and leave nothing to the imagination. And I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't mind it so much. Like Mike, I, I, I you know, a, a list means something's got to be last, but it doesn't mean that I, I don't appreciate it. Um, but I just, you know, I wonder if, you know, how much that dialogue, if any, has been added for the special edition. It's too bad people can't, like, email in and tell us. Yeah, you know what? Um, get that for episode 65. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm I have no up. frame of reference. I think the, the special edition is infuriating. Uh, after after the Empire Strikes Back, I have never even seen anything but a few. I've got the special edition of Return of the Jedi, but I've I've only watched clips of it. I've never watched the whole thing. I can't uh, abide the special edition. I've got the original um, the original uh, the T H X version, but it's on VHS, and we don't have a VHS deck hooked up in our house right now, so I was out on that. You know, I'm, I was so excited when they finally came out with the uh, with the least original Star Wars at the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. I have that one. Oh my gosh, I just, wow. that's the one I want. That's, well, I, I do enjoy uh, getting back to the the scene between Luke and Obi Wan. I think that's another seminal scene for me, especially. I mean, it's a nice, quiet, uh, very delicate conversation, and this—that's the moment. That's the the part, the same part of the film where I finally accepted that Darth Vader was Luke, Luke's father. When I first saw that film, I didn't believe it at the end of *The Empire Strikes Back*, and it was on the covers of all the magazines and everyone was talking. I said, "Do you believe everything Darth Vader tells you?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's saying, "It's like I want to help you. Give me your hand." Well, no, I'm your father. Yeah, sure you are. I, I just didn't believe it. No, and I, was, I was still, I was still quake. By the time Obi Wan appears, I'm still shaking in my shoes from that revelation. Especially in the way that scene ends, 
Luke this gets this grim look on his face, and there's a wipe, and the music crescendos and goes to the rebel fleet, and that's a powerful scene for me. And and let's move on to that. So that's the briefing room scene, um, the all white room, uh, which is actually pretty cool. We get to see a, a calamarian for the first time, which that's they, a trap. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you guys think of the briefing room scene? Many Bothans died to bring us this information. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a great scene. Uh, it's everyone's reunited, uh, but this is where my problem begins with Harrison Ford. Okay. And uh, going back to the email that um, uh, that uh, fellow sent in, mm-hmm. and uh, a shout out to him. Uh, but sure. from here on out, uh, Harrison, the problem with Harrison Ford only gets worse. Really? Uh, like what? Um, what do you? Well, I mentioned this to Bill the other night uh, in a conversation. Uh, at this point, Harrison Ford's at, at career is taking off, but he's still only played. This is, they probably started shooting this picture 18 months after he finished Raiders of the Lost Ark. And by now, Raiders is out and um, get, was nominated for Best Picture. Um, probably while he's shooting Return of the Jedi, uh, Raiders just picks up huge steam. And Mar- we, we were talking earlier about Mark Hand and Lucas and the way this film was directed. And I'm thinking that Harrison Ford uh, is is a good actor, uh, even by this point in his career. But the problem is he's not playing Han Solo. He's playing Indiana Jones. And oh. it really is apparent as the film goes on. I think there uh, may be some validity to that. I never really real- thought mm-hmm. about that until you said it. But I, I and think like the guy said in the email, what is wrong with Han Solo? And the problem is he's not playing Han Solo. I think you may be right. And there's a couple lines in the movie that are delivered just not in the hand kind of way. Like um, like when when they're flying the Imperial Shuttle, he goes, I don't know, fly casual. Fly casual. Yeah. yeah. And then that other line where he keeps Keep interrupting. Keep distance, Chewie. But, but don't look like you're keeping <laughs> your distance. <laughs> and then there's that line where he's talking to 3PO and he's telling 3PO to give those orders to the Ewoks, and he goes, hey, tell them we need food. Oh, and we need weapons. Oh, and we need this. Oh, can, and can you hurry? That- yeah, and this film this film also is a lot more, it just occurred to me, it's a lot more of an ensemble piece than the other two. In oh the other gosh. two films, there are long sequences with each with each pair or, tri- tri- or group of actors. Long sequences, and then we go back and find out what's going on with this other group. This movie is back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between all of them, and everybody has two lines, and then we cut to the next mm-hmm. sequence, and it's very strange. Off pace. Uh, the scene where Lando and, and Han are talking about the, the Imperial Falcon, and Han is telling Lando to take it, it that's another scene that's so poorly lit. That you well, can just tell that they're it's, they're in front yeah. of a mat or something like that. If that's, you look carefully at that scene, mm-hmm. they reverse a shot here and there of, mm-hmm. of Lando because he's got like a strap going from one shoulder oh, across his chest down. Oh, mm-hmm. And as I think it's the last shot of Lando when he says, get going, you pirate, it, it, it reverses itself. It goes mm-hmm. from the other shoulder down to the other side of his waste. If I'm thinking right, that's, that scene may have the most obvious matte painting in the yes, entire... Yes, and I was going to say, that's probably that that uh, contributes a lot of what you're talking about, that, that matte painting behind it. Yeah. And it makes he, the movie feel small. Yeah. He turns this around, is no starts, longer an epic. This is a small 
made for TV movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, he turns around and walks away at the end of the scene. You know that they, they cut it because he's about to run into <laughs> that curtain. He starts yeah. to do that fake walk. <laughs> like, okay. you know, he's, I was going to stretch out for a couple more frames. but Well, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, compare, let's compare the bay on board that Rebel Cruiser, that whole scene, compare that to the scenes inside the Death Star hangar bay. I mean, that is a big scene, and they're on a soundstage. There's mm-hmm. a giant... It's the same amount of space, but that scene looks better than it yes. does in Richard. Yeah, it is amazing. They, I mean, they had a soundstage you could build a neighborhood in, mm-hmm. and yet they apparently, you know, curtain off, uh, you know, all but like a twenty by sixty strip for that one shot. Yeah. Um, it's, you, it's surprising there aren't shadows on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's that uh, Death Star. Uh, you know, we uh, we get to see that that. Death Star that's being constructed kind of looks like a skull a little bit. That was actually a nice kind of touch, you know, with the laser look, the eye. Oh, yes. You know, that was a beautiful touch, I thought. They, they did a great job on that. I'm looking. Um, I'm, uh, I'm interrupting again. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm looking at an official timeline. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, it says that Empire Strikes Back happens three years after A New Hope. Okay. And um, Shadows of the Empire is... Shortly after that, I'm looking for Jedi to see how long uh, it... I think you said two years, Mike? Uh, I had always thought it was six months after. Six months? Okay. Uh, Timeline's still about on. uh, While you look for for the timeline, Brad, um, you know, when we're on... um, What's the Ewoks planet's name? Endor. 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 When they're on Endor, this has always bugged me. Um, So many little things about... That just don't make sense to me. Um, you, you know, there, there's the Imperial Scouts there with their air bikes. That seems like the worst type of transport to have <laughs> in a world full of trees. That's <laughs> the poor, that is the worst idea. Hey, I'm you gonna know. go get a pack of gum. All right. The timeline says there's one year between the two movies, but you know, these are fans that right put these. Yeah. So who you know it obviously there's more time between four and five than there is five and six. Mm-hmm. Is this is a good time for my next list uh, about sc- sc- uh, uh, scout bikes. That's uh, a <laughs> top uh, top six Ewoks. Um, let's hear it. All right, uh, let's see. Um, okay, that's number one. But but while you two. get your while you get your list down, yes. there's that scene with the bikes, which again the, the, there's a lot of these bike scenes that are very unimaginative. There's there's the camera right in front, you know, pointing between the guys, you know, the, the the two enemies facing the camera, and they're just you know you know leaning back and forth, very unimaginative and stuff. But there but there is that one scene that's very reminiscent of the pod. Uh, the pod races on yes. Phantom Menace where the bikes get stuck. Yeah. Just like they did in the pod have, races. Every time I've ever seen that movie, I, I think even when I was a kid, um, I would just I would just about sell off parts of my body for those tracking shots through the forest to go yes. on for just a little longer. Me I mean, too. I realized that they were literally had some guy with a steady cam walking through the Redwood Forest yes. there. And I understand that it took a lot of time and a lot of film but you know, come on! It's like go for broke. Let that let that shot go on for 15 seconds or so. Yes, 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 yes. The roof. There's one of those shots where the speeder bikes are going, and it almost looks like they're actually approaching the outer limits of that okay. forest because the light coming through the trees is so much brighter. Well, mm. what's so they had to cut away. At that well, point. every time um, uh, as they're going straight through the forest, like the POV shots, you know, tree, 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 tree. Um, but every time you see them turn. They turn in a relative clearing. 
Uh, every time they, <laughs> yeah. they, the camera is up, looking down at them, kind of, it's almost on a corner, and they're rounding a corner. There's always a, a clearing there, and I don't know if that's so they can literally have the camera far enough away to have a wide shot, or if that was an artistic choice of the director, or you know, well, I, I think it was mechanics. It's like we got to have a wider yeah. shot for because the, these guys can't do a hairpin turn; they right. have to have some room. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that the scouts are military men that have been doing this for a long time. They're they're consider the fact that they're clones and genetically disposed to this. And yeah, but are they clones that far that far into the Star Wars timeline? Are oh, they, I mean, you got to believe they still in, are. Yeah. I don't know. They don't sound like clones. Yeah, they don't. But I still give it that they are. Well, there are, a lot of by people. By this time, my understanding is by this time there there some are clones and some are enlistees or draftees. Right, right. I I had heard some time ago that one of the things that Lucas is going right now back and replacing all the stormtrooper voices with Tamura Morrison. Mm-hmm. Dang it. Why, um, George? Stop it! Because he can't yeah, stop. <laughs> but so you, I, I agree. You're right. I've seen car chases on the Rockford Files that have more imagination than that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks cool, but it's just straight on, straight on, straight on, straight on, and just the whole yeah. mechanics of of uh, you know. Okay, so they are soldiers and military men, but it's just like that's very impractical. <laughs> The one part I like is where the uh, the dude gets the end of his uh, his bike chopped off and he spins. Yeah, now that is pretty cool. Corkscrew into the tree. Yeah. And Zoe and I were looking at that and just going, Oh god. Oh man. Well, hey, uh, uh, if I uh, this is a, a mild uh, aside here, but if I could go ahead and get this out of the way, the uh, um, top uh, I've got top seven Ewoks. Um, so if you don't mind um, uh, going with me for a second or two, sure. Uh, this does have sound with it. Um, okay. Uh, number seven, um, the red one. Is <laughs> that it? Play it, play it again. I'm uh, here. Number six. So we'll just keep going. No, uh, I want to hear seven. Uh, well, uh, trust me, okay. you'll, you'll get it by the time I'm done here. Um, number six is the raccoon-looking one. <laughs> okay. Um, number five, the brown one. Number four, You're gonna the, love this, Mike. The scary Winkler. gray one that looks like uh, he, he looks like he's a, uh, he's a victim of voodoo. <laughs> um, number three, the one that looks like Paddington Bear. <laughs> number two, the one with the bird skull. <laughs> and uh, number one, the number one Ewok in Star Wars Episode Six is the baby Ewok. Uh. <laughs> You're going to love that when you hear it, Mike. Mark um, it sounds now. like they're all ordering the same pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Um, uh, uh, before I saw this movie, uh, or, I mean, years ago, I always used to blame it on the Ewoks. You know, the Ewoks were in that movie and stuff like that. But you know what? They Now, they don't for me. It's, it has more... It was a revelation I had last night. It's just the way this movie was put together, the way it was directed... I think I think it still could have been. Imagine Spielberg. Spielberg loves doing that, working with the underdog and stuff like that. He would have made it so good. He would have just. Oh, you don't know that. It's no. Okay, okay, I can imagine that. It's no secret that in in an episode six uh, show, it needs to be pointed out that you know that was originally not supposed to have been with Ewoks on Endor at all. That was supposed to have taken place on Chewbacca's home planet, and that was supposed to be a battle of Wookies, which would have been. Epic and monumental and uh, mind blowing. Yes. And, and, and instead we got and uh, expensive. A, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Instead we got a marketing tool for uh, for a toy company, mm. and um, that 
It is what it is. I think exactly. you have to take it as a historical document, and I don't this get is what that. happened, so deal with it. Yeah, I don't get too close to the ledge when thinking about stuff I don't like about uh, Star Wars because, hey, it's Star Wars. It's, you know, bad Star Wars maybe like bad pizza. You know, <laughs> it's still pretty dang good. Um, Mike, what, what's your opinion on, on the whole Ewok situation? I mean, are you fine with them? Did they bug you? I mean, I know you have the philosophy of, of it is what it is, but I well, mean... Yeah, I'm I'm fine with the Ewoks. They like you. They did uh, they did bug me uh, a long time ago. But as I've gotten older and studied more film, as I have, and uh, participated in a few uh, little indie things up here, I mean the Ewoks. Well, there's so much more wrong with this film ahead of the Ewoks. Yeah. You, oh, great point. <laughs> I'll great go on point. record. I mean, point. I'll go on record and say the Ewoks never bothered me. Okay. I would like right on. my my beef about the uh, Ewoks uh, was just the simple simple mechanics of you know the Emperor is not worried about the attack on the forest moon of Endor because he's got a battalion down there, yeah. which seems like it should be what hundreds if not thousands of troops. And so when they get down there, somehow a band of like thirty Ewoks is able to crush an entire uh, uh, you know empirical army. You know, is that how it's no, my, my 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 thought, and this is suspension of disbelief. My thought has always been he does have one of his best regiments of troops. You know, the 501st or whoever's down there is protecting that shield. But there, uh, my understanding is there's hundreds of thousands of Ewoks, and what we are seeing is only, it's like the Battle of Naboo. I mean, what we see there is is only a small portion of what's going on across the entire planet. And yeah. and that you know, if we had had twice as many Ewoks. Uh, uh, more creative camera working, you know, and just made it look like so much more. Yeah, it wasn't photographed properly. Well, it yeah. just it, it, it shrunk the scale. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, uh, just only involving 20 or 30, you know, Ewoks, mm-hmm. Imperial Guard, whatever. It just it just didn't seem big enough. Yeah. I was like, well, we were at, you know, because they don't they don't storm it by force. I mean, the with with an entire planet of Wookiees, you know, they could have easily had an epic battle, and you could easily see how the Imperial Guard is overwhelmed, you know, by, you know, the, the natural inhabitants of the planet. But with the Ewoks, it occurs through trickery, mm-hmm. which I didn't like. It, you know, they have to get the uh, the AT-AT to come right through the trees where they can have the, the swinging pendulum, <laughs> you know, logs to crush it, you know, mm-hmm. and I just... Well, those 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 ATATs probably have cut paths through the woods that they use. It would be easy to set up an ambush. Technically, like those, technically those are ATSTs, Mike. ATSTs, thank you. <laughs> so yes. sorry. Or chicken walkers. Yes, chicken, chicken walkers. <clears throat> I, um, but consider also that the Ewoks and the Rebels don't need to win a major battle. They don't need or want to take over the planet. All they need to do is blow up that shield. Yeah. And I always wondered why they didn't use the the ATST that Chewbacca commandeered. Why don't they just fire at the the um, yeah, little you know, building with that thing instead of having to go in and blow it up from the inside. I I thought that exact same thing, Ron. And uh, it's no, but don't you don't you reckon that that thing is blast protected even more powerfully than? Uh, they didn't even try it, Mike. <laughs> no, they didn't. They could have well, maybe tried. they knew. They could have had a magnetic lock on it. They I remember had, like ricocheting energy bolts yeah. you know, flying around the forest of. Endor we already or... tried it. It's magnetically sealed. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I remember when I watched it when I watched it again last week. I remember thinking, when you know when Chewbacca uh, comes up with the ATST and he goes, "No, I got an idea." I thought, "Oh yeah, I don't remember what happens, but of course they're just gonna blow yeah. the building up with mm-hmm. the ATST." And then I was shocked yeah. that they didn't. Mm-hmm. Or they're gonna call from the ATST and use the command codes that are probably in the ATST to open the door. Yeah. No, uh, but yeah. there's a they can't even blowing up that door. I mean, even if they uh, even if they could 
they would still have to go down that tunnel to get to the actual. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could blow the door off with that machine, but you'd still have to go down in there and face whatever awaited you. Um, you know, uh, that's uh, not remember that's not the only entrance to the shield. Um, they're going in a back door, and when they get down there, they run into all the Imperial troops from the base. Oh yeah. Hmm. Uh, let's move on to the space battle a little bit. We'll we'll leave the the Luke and and Vader battle for later, but uh, the space battle with Lando. Um, that Who's gonna can maneuver. <laughs> Stay on target. Too close. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> there um there is one scene in that whole you know there, there's a lot going on in that battle scene, but there's one character. That strikes me as so funny. He's one of the pilots. Um, he seems to have pink cellophane as a visor over yeah, his... Yeah, I noticed that. What's up with that? Over his it's not helmet. Very, not very masculine. Well, it's not very masculine, and it looks haphazardly put together, and it's a very quick scene. Well, it look like they taped a gel to his helmet or it something? It does look like they taped a gel to his helmet. It's so... I just and it's pink and it's just why does he have a yellow helmet and he there's too many of them. I that, that may him? be the guy. Yeah, I didn't write his line down, but it's such a funny scene. Um, but that 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 battle itself, the whole space battle, is so boring to me. I mean, in retrospect, really, I I, I was blown away by it when I saw it in the theaters. I, I was blown too. away by it when I in saw it in the theaters. I was ago. in retrospect. I am not. I just well, um, it was the, the, the biggest battle in. In the trilogy, the the fact that that they did it again, you know, I'm sure that they had some rudimentary CG, you know, fleshing things out. Mm-hmm. But I sat there at one point and I looked at Zoe and I said, "Those are all models. Look at that. How many things are flying through that that mm-hmm. screen? You know, how many objects do they have to keep track of for the motion tracking? I mean, they're oh, they're, at they're, one point he had like 70. 90 object, yeah. 90 negatives laid Just, on top of each other. Wow, I heard there was like a tennis shoe. Hidden in that shot somewhere, like one of the things <laughs> flying know, through br- space is a tennis shoe. You know, oh Brad, gosh. I, I, I was looking that up, too, and nobody can confirm or knows where the scene is, but apparently that's, yeah, that's the case. I know in... What was it, um, like in one frame or something, or is it just... Like, just Yeah, just kind of real real quick. I know that in in a really quick shot at the beginning space battle of uh, episode three, uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, there's one... some. A ship gets blown up or something, and then a piece of it flies up and to the left into the underbelly of of a big ship. Yes, yes. that is a literal. That's a kitchen sink. That <laughs> really? piece that flies up. <laughs> really? Yes, that's yes, terrific. it is. It's a kitchen sink. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but like things like Lando didn't. As far as I'm concerned, Lando didn't have enough urgency in his voice. I never really felt that they were in some. Some urgent space battle. Yeah, it was easy like a Sunday morning as uh, far he as was just, concerned. He wasn't, you know, Hello, to me. Hello, what have we here? You know, we, we talk about the we talk about um, the characters kind of phoning it in for this, but I really think uh, Billy D phoned it in for this series. He didn't, he have, didn't have very big part. He didn't have much to do, but uh, he could have made what he had to do more energetic. I mean, you know, he could have jumped you know, just those I reckon the Millennium it. Falcon has in this scene. I reckon the you consider the Millennium Falcon is probably one of the fastest and most best best defended ships uh, as a as a, being used as a fighter in this instance, and it's fully manned, which it usually is not. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. So that's... he's not in as much jeopardy as say a fighter pilot or. I like that. Okay. 
and I'll give you that. And you know, I think it also goes back to the 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 editing that you were talking about. How it's hello, it's cut. what have we here? <laughs> Uh, from the way they cut back and forth so much, um, I, that may have something to do with it too. Brad, yeah, rather than seeing the battle on above and the battle below, we see both like nine times. Yeah, it's amazing um, how long that battle takes and how much yeah, action they cut away to, and then come back to the battle because they, you know, it's you know the battle's going on the whole time they're they're down there assaulting the the base on Endor, and then the battle's still going on the whole time that uh, that Luke and and the Emperor and Darth are doing their thing, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, they fight half of it before they even get to the Death Star. It, it seems like the last. The it seems like the last half of the movie has that space battle intercut with the rest of the last half of the movie. Yeah. I, I maybe. I think that's literally true. I think it starts. I mean, we might double. You have to double check me, but probably it, it might. A minute, an hour, fifteen minutes. That thinks that starts. I'll look at it. I'll look right here. And goes on for the rest of the film. Uh, so let's talk about the about the battle with the emperor and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, one line that that made me laugh in that scene is the mocking line that um, uh, that the emperor has, where he goes, "Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be <laughs> quite operational when your friends arrive." Was he like a sixteen-year-old girl all of a sudden? Oh, I just, I just love, I love him, I love him, I love him. He, he is just, awesome. He's, well, he's so condescending and he's so sure of himself, and he's just, you know, it's just not even cockiness. He's so sure of himself, and it's just, I just, Ian McDiarmid. I mean, I, I can't believe that Ian McDiarmid did the Emperor in all of those movies. You know, I mean, that was him. You know, we're, we're watching this in episodes two and three. It's like, wait a minute, that was him. That's the same guy who they who was doing it in episode six and, and a little bit in five. Well, he's not in the Empire Strikes Back. I think he is in the special edition. Okay. Yeah, okay. He is in the special yeah. Edition. they do add him into the special edition. Yes, um, but yeah, I mean, that guy has the greatest laugh ever. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he's he's pretty cool. He is very condescending. He's yes. But, uh, that brings me to my next list. If you guys don't mind indulging me, this would be. Uh, the uh, top six emperor laughs. Oh, nice. Man, I wish Mike could hear these. but uh, uh, Since I can't, I'm going to step out right here for a moment and take care of something. All, all right. right. All right. I'll so, rejoin uh, you. All right. So, so the, uh, the number, uh, number six emperor laugh. Nice. Some of these have a little bit of context to them. Some of them are uh, fairly clean. Um, and a lot of these, there's a lot of action going on, so his laugh is kind of underneath. So you kind of have to, you have to use your imagination. He's a funny you guy. He's to, a jolly guy. He is. He apparently is having a lot of fun with this as he does things like this. <laughs> I just love that you can hear that just kind of under there. <laughs> use your aggressive feelings, boy. Number four. Let the hate flow through you. Uh, let's see the uh, the number uh, number two laugh. <laughs> I just love that. I'm sorry, you guys. You guys are just being nice to me too. And here's the number one emperor laugh of Star Wars Episode Six. Oh, that's a good thing. 
I just I love it so much. Good. <laughs> you know, it's it's and that whole scene where he's the Emperor's getting ready to dethrone Vader and make Luke his number two. I mean, all that in context, that's that's pretty powerful stuff. This is this is the best section of the of the three stories being told at the time. This is the best one for me. And I, I never get the sense that uh, that Darth Vader, um, uh, in the other movies, um, uh, Dooku and 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 probably Sidious uh, guys like that, you know, they realize that he's he's looking for a new Sith, and since there can only be two, he's getting ready to do something horrible to me. And I never get the feeling that Darth is worried about that. Never. And I don't know if that's because Darth is convinced that that Luke will be his second, or if Darth is just comfortable with the idea that I'm about to pass the mantle on, which means the you know the obvious end for me. You know, so is no, he made peace with his uh, well, end? Or? I think that Darth, and this is something I was thinking about the other night when I was watching the film. And the thing that makes it off kilter with the other two in this trilogy is this film is where you start to realize. And it wouldn't be fully revealed until years later that this story is about Darth Vader. And he's got a lot on his mind in the second half of this picture. And so I forgive him for maybe not suspecting, or maybe he does suspect. I know he's, to- I believe he's totally obedient to the Emperor. But he's also questioning his own motivation once he begins to meet Luke. And I think there's a lot going on inside that suit by yeah, this you, point. You do get the impression that, that he is he is truly totally loyal to the emperor and if the emperor told him this is it you know move aside and go away so i can you know have luke with me now he would say okay this is what's best for the empire i think that i i wouldn't I, I would accept the argument that that's exactly what he's doing yeah um in provoking luke and trying to get luke to kill him until finally he's like whoa 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 and 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 he realizes as the emperor does that luke is actually more powerful than he is and there can, like you said, there can only be two. I think that Darth Sidious has been involved in some kind of weird eugenics program, and the, the prophecy yes. was that Anakin would bring balance to the Force, but it wasn't Anakin; it was his offspring. Now, at the time, did we know that there were only supposed to be two Sith? I mean, that's something that's established in Episode One. Oh no, no, uh, no. We, didn't, so, we didn't hear that at all until. So, as far as we knew, in 1983, Ennis. they could have just added Luke to the family. You know, at uh, that time, I always assumed there were dozens of them at least. Okay. I, mean, I always got the impression that yeah, Darth was the the only baddie out there. And of course, if you read some of the novels, you find out it's not quite that way. Well, there are other dark lords, but there's only one second in command. I think. Yes. There's only one. Are, are you guys familiar with the Emperor Slug? Do you know what the Emperor Slug is? Slug? Yeah. No, I am not familiar with that. Um, oh yes, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about this thing here. Yeah, Brad's pointing to his eye. Yeah. Um, there's several scenes in the throne room where the where the uh, emperor has his hood over him. Yes. But there's a very obvious painted black scene, a scene that's or an area that's been co- painted black. It's referred to as the slug, uh, the emperor's slug, and a lot of people, you know, I'm surprised they didn't fix it in the in the revamped version. Well, they in the DVD release. Uh huh. Of the special edition, the box set that just came out, uh-huh. it is almost uh, invisible. I I have I have the box version. I can see it. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's why I said almost. <laughs> it's it's been repaired as much as and I, I think what they 
the reason behind that is just they I actually would have why but, read it. Read um, it. The Emperor's Slug, also known as the Emperor's Black Spot, refers to a solid black area on the edge of Emperor Palpatine's hood in Return of Jedi. The dark spot is actually a bit of hand-drawn animation, although no definitive answer exists. Uh, some have learned learned from LFF LFL that the spot was likely added because the particular low angle level revealed a strange fold in the Emperor's temple that drew attention away from his eyes. So it was hmm. just some type of fix that they had to use before computer animation. Interesting. So uh, if you go back to it, it's always kind of bugged me a little bit. I'm sure it bugged a lot of people. I never noticed it. So it was just an issue with his prosthetics then or his appliances? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Brad, you should see if you can find it on there. No, Short to bat. Studied so, that maybe. scene fairly closely last night and don't remember mm. seeing that. Well, maybe. You know. Of course, I'm the type of person that uh, I I I suspend a lot of disbelief because I I go into a movie and I kind of turn my brain off and I just enjoy the roller coaster ride. Mm. So I I I don't spend a whole lot of conscious time, you know, thinking to myself, oh, what next up with this? You got to be kidding me. Well, I, it's so lightsabers. You uh, cut your own hand off. Come on. For for me, this know. is I think you know I'm almost. I almost don't want to point it out to you because it it just it's just a little flaw that to me is very obvious and very hmm. you know really bothers me. But we'll move on. Uh, Emperor's death. What do you guys think of it, Mike? We'll start with you, Mike. But in hindsight, you know, and I, I look at it and go, well, okay. Um, I mean, at the time I considered it anticlimactic. I look at it now and probably read more meaning into it than it deserves, but. Um, I, I I enjoy that that scene. Yeah, I I think it's just. I think it's it's. It is just, yeah. Uh, it, it's the way it should be. It's a father coming to his son's defense. Both, you know, be, you, you can argue that the emperor emperor was a lot like Darth's father. You know, like a foster father. He took care of him and stuff. Yes. And you know, it, it's it's one father coming to the rescue of one and yet destroying another father. And it's also, you know, I think when thinking about it, it's one of maybe four or five moments in in, in the entire trilogy, first trilogy. That's one of very few moments for me where I'm like, well, I was genuinely surprised when that happened. I thought, whoa, whoa, what's what's going on here? And then when it was over, I thought, wow. Look what just happened. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was pretty powerful for me at the time. You know, really, how else could it have ended? Yeah. Um, you know, other than dying another way, I don't know. You know, it would have been kind of cool if Vader and... And, and leading up to that moment, for about 15 or 20 minutes, the melodrama has been coming hard and fast. Yes. Uh, leading up to that. You know, the the end of the battle between Luke and Darth Vader is pretty powerful stuff. Brad? The thing about that death, I, the thing that bothers me mm-hmm. is really the what happens to Vader. Okay, he he basically gets fried by all that lightning, force lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like he touches a television. You can see a skeleton <laughs> for a second. And I thought, really, after all the lightning that Luke received. From the Emperor, which was minutes. How long does Vader pick him up and hold him? Like 20 seconds, maybe? I would assume he that... Receives uh, about, he, he, he receives a fraction of the Force Lightning mm-hmm. that Luke did, and yet it like totally tweaked him out, and now he's breathing wrong, and he's going to die. I, I, I got... The Emperor was 
torturing Luke and literally stringing him out. So mm-hmm. the Emperor's just kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he even says that at one point is now but, you but, will die. But when he dies, every iota of his power is released in that blast, and Darth happens to be like looking over the railing, and um, yeah, he just picks a. He's in the wrong place, the wrong time there, as far as that's concerned. Well, even if he only took a dose when he was picking him up, that suit is what keeps him alive. Yeah. And so if maybe it, the, something went wrong with it. Yeah, maybe the lightning fried the electronics in the suit. And also, that's a you, good point. I never really thought of that. It's magic lightning, way. too, so it's not like regular lightning. Well, you, you can also argue that, that maybe it's, it's something has to do with the dark side has left. You know, the dark side has been sustaining Vader, and he's finally released. He's finally let go of that, and, you know, he's being filled with, yes. with the good force. And, you know, maybe that's what kills him, too. I mean, it's definitely a combination of all these things. It's not Well, just and he also. Thing. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I just want to say, add one more thing uh, while I'm thinking about it, about Darth Vader. In the moments before this, uh, in the, the end of the fight with Luke while Luke is hiding under the stairs, uh, the reason, another reason the death of the Emperor and this, this whole thing with Darth Vader is so powerful is because only a few moments before that happens, we have seen Darth Vader display a level of evil heretofore unknown in all three films, where he tells Luke pretty specifically what he's going to do to his sister. And yeah. uh, that kind of sends a, that moment still sends a chill down my spine when Luke bursts out of there and goes after him. Sister. And you realize just how bad a person Darth Vader is. And so, like uh, a num- like any uh, bad person, or maybe like a like an alcoholic, he gets to the lowest point before Luke can bring him back. He becomes so evil that. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but he, he displays something right before he dies that is pretty evil. And so it's it's more, made more powerful when he does come back to the good side. And and I think that's, you know, w- what you said is is pretty right on about an alcoholic reaching the lowest point. But it's just, you know, we have minutes to take this journey instead of, you know, months of him reaching low and building up. Right. And, uh, right. Story-wise, it has to take place within this time frame of five minutes or whatever. So it is a little rushed, but... But it, I, I think it's a it, it's a great journey. Well, I think the timeline of his personal crisis um, makes enough sense. You know, that it doesn't bother me. I mean, the the fact that you know he's been sure up to this point, and all of a sudden he's seeing you know he's seeing his son actually die for real, and you know just the it's like I I, I finally realize you know what I've been doing all these years, and you know there's a point for you know I can see where anybody can just snap, and you know they realize that oh man I I want a do over. You know, in the last mm-hmm. 40 years of my life. And this may have been going on for a long time. You know, something that occurred to me last night out of the clear blue sky while I was watching something else. Like I was thinking about doing this this morning, and I thought about the scene in The Empire Strikes Back where the officer walks in and finds Darth Vader inside his meditation chamber with his helmet off. Um, and he's so angry because he's been interrupted. What if Darth Vader was sitting in there looking at home movies of Amidala? You know, he, this this personal crisis may have been going on longer than we know. I mean, he's a pretty—that's like that. kind of nice. Yeah. Well, there was a scene earlier in Jedi when you could see that the wheels were turning in, in yes, Vader. Yes. Yes. Um, exactly. At, when uh, he finally gets to see Luke face to face alone, and he he says, "Oh, so I see you've created a new lightsaber," mm-hmm. and then. Luke says, "Yeah, blah blah." Yeah. Um. Then he says something. Then my father is truly dead, and the mm-hmm. and the stormtrooper escorts Luke away, and Vader's left alone on that yeah. balcony, and and he just kind of turns and looks out at the 
at the forest, like, and you can tell at that point he's really thinking, what am I doing here? You know, and maybe at the, at the end of the Empire Strikes Back, he's offering, he tells Luke, join me and we'll overthrow the Emperor, and together we'll rule the galaxy. I think he's not tricking him. I think that's exactly what he wants to do. I, by the I time guess. we see him in Return of the Jedi, he has forced the situation to where now it's playing directly in the Emperor's hands, and he's not going to be able to do that any longer, and he knows what Luke's fate is going to be. I, I, I buy that, that argument about Empire, because he made the same deal with, uh, yeah. with, with uh, in, in Revenge of the Jedi, to um, Yes, exactly. Uh, to what's her name? His, uh, to Amidala. 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 Uh, you know, we can rule together. Let's rule together. You know, it's... <sighs> And, and and you wonder what does he you know if he were to become the emperor, what would his universe look like? You know, would it be the same as the emperor? Would it be, um, you know, Anakin had showed showed some some level of believing in in a dictatorship. You know, he he yeah. said that a lot in Attack. You know, it's like like. You know, we don't need all this talking. We just need to do it. So he may not have been... I mean, he may have been a worse leader than than the Emperor. Who knows? I'm not convinced he would, be, he would ever have been powerful enough to overthrow the Emperor. I have a thing about Darth Sidious, and although it's never, to my knowledge, is not fully explained in the canon at this time, uh, I have a weird thing about Darth Sidious that he is, like, immensely powerful and immensely old. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I've never believed that Anakin had the power to overthrow him even though he wants to do it i've never thought that he could i mean they they reference uh they reference his age and power fairly directly in the clone wars don't they yeah they do uh that's well in in knowing in revenge of the sith when he has that discussion with luke and talks about uh darth uh plagueis plagueis yeah um so what do we think about the end celebration with the ewoks and i like the new ending mm-hmm. with the exception of Anakin's ghost and we'll get to that in a second yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I like the fact that I'm seeing celebrations on different planets throughout yeah. the galaxy I think that is so cool I believe I, I agree uh, with you I like that was the first time we got to see Coruscant also mm-hmm. uh, visualized in, in a movie was the new special edition for Jedi was Coruscant you, you see the city planet and if you look carefully in the background on the right hand side of the screen there's a statue of Palpatine that gets toppled over. It falls oh, wow. as the celebration's going on. In the foreground, there looks like a stormtrooper that's being carried on top of a sea of people, like they're picking them up and yeah. they're going to throw them <laughs> a, oh, man. down one of the buildings or something like that. So I liked all the scenes. The the scene in, in uh, Mos Eisley when everybody, it, it looks like a busy city. It's populated. Mm-hmm. Um, Naboo's celebrating. I, I really liked... All of that. Um, I even like the new song. The only problem with the new song is that Lando Calrissian, who had rhythm in the original edition, mm-hmm. now is <laughs> clapping off the beat. Oh, I never noticed that. In this new edition, that kind of bothers me. It always, you know, Lando's smooth, and he's going to have rhythm, and he would never clap off the beat, <laughs> but he does now. Um, and like I said, if I ever see George Lucas... I'm going to gut punch him for putting Hayden Christensen in the movie and removing Sebastian Saw as the ghost of of Anakin. Is it Hayden Christensen in the special edition? Yes, yes it, is. it is. See, I've never seen the special edition of Return of the Jedi. I can't. Empire Strikes Back made me so mad that I 
they removed. I just don't have two hours of my life to waste on. This. They removed uh, Sebastian Shaw, who played the older Anakin. Yeah. yeah. And they put in Hayden Christensen, as we last saw him in Re- Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith. Where he's playing her I need to check that out when I get home. Now, I've been Pretty trying to come bath. up with a with a logical reason for them to do that. And what I'm thinking is, maybe the last time we saw Yoda mm-hmm. as a as a good guy, you know. He wasn't old Yoda, and then we see him. Yeah. Uh, the last time we saw Obi Wan Kenobi as a good guy was when he was a good old Jedi. Yeah. The last time we saw a good Anakin was when he was a younger Anakin. Okay. Looking the way he did in Revenge of the Sith. So maybe. Yes, very good. Maybe the Force ghosts. Uh, they revert to their most recent good self. Yes, and that's the only logical explanation I can come up with. Well, I would think it, it's more your your own ultimate conception of yourself. It's the the your 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 favorite conception of yourself. And, and you with Obi Wan, and that's a body. Yeah, and that's a body that was healthy. Yeah. Um, the Sebastian body. Yes. yes. And, and was, the body was yeah. a damaged body. Yeah, he's it was more machine now than man, yeah, yeah. twisted and evil. <laughs> But the, the body itself, obviously, is just a, a representation for lower life forms to comprehend. Mm-hmm. It, it obviously, you know, is just it's just a, a face. So you know, it doesn't matter whether the body is old or young. It's uh, you know, I would just like to think that it's your conception of your ultimate self. And with yeah. you know Darth, quite obviously, that would be before the lava bath and kind the of a suit. Thing. And yeah, I like your take on it even better than mine. And I'll tell you why because there's a problem with mine. Uh, one can argue that Anakin became a good guy again at the yeah. end of Return of the right. Jedi before he was killed. So that's why in the original version of of Return of the Jedi, you see the old man, Sebastian Saw, yeah. Shaw, Anakin Force Ghost. So the last time we saw him as a good guy was when he renounced, denounced, whichever one it is, the dark side. Saved his son, became good again. Yeah. Tell your sister you were right. I, I don't want I'm still a good guy. I don't want to veer off into philosophy too much, but you know, can you live a, a li- an adult's life of evil? And at the very end, I mean, the very end, you know, your last ten seconds, you go, I repent. You know, does that really count? I, well, I, uh, I believe it does. I believe it does. If if inside you've actually changed yeah. your 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 philosophy on life, your way of thinking, right. you're honestly. Re- regretting I mean, is it, the way you've lived your life. I mean, are I you kind of you scared of going downstairs to the man of the pitchfork, no, and so you're trying to convince listen. yourself, or are we supposed to take it at face value that you actually have repented? Now, I could no, that's why the film the is called. I think that's why the film is called Return of the Jedi. I think that's a direct, a direct reference to Anakin's life. I oh. believe I believe you're 100 percent correct on that. And I, you know, I've heard arguments. Oh well, Luke returned to Dagobah to visit Yoda. Yeah, I can see that. That's a bit of a weak explanation, but this man that was a Sith, that this man that is a Sith was once a Jedi. That Jedi returned. Yeah, yeah. the title is about Vader and yeah. not Luke. Yeah, and, and with yeah. that, I mean, he literally lets the good side of the Force back into himself after having shut off for so many years, so I can absolutely see where something like that happens. Right. He doesn't pick you up know. the Emperor and throw him in the pit to save his son. He yes. does it because he's a Jedi, and that's his job. That's Interesting. right. That's right. But I, know, I can believe that that repentance is, I have is real. I have goosebumps. <laughs> you do. I yeah. have chickens. Have he goosebumps. does. 
He does. Now let let let, let me ask you if this they would feel have, weird too. If this would have made the movie I need to sit more interesting in knowing what we know now. What if Qui Gon was part of that? Was part of those ghost people? Part part of. Anakin well, and ben. It would have made perfect sense for him to have been part of that. I mean, it would have been yet another blatant, you know, change it, to the it original. It would have been another example of George doing it because he could. Well, didn't, yeah, but doesn't it make sense, though, right now? Yeah. Well, didn't Qui-Gon kind of get credit for figuring out how to yes. transition to the spirit yes. form? Qui-Gon, and his spirit taught Obi-Wan how to do that it. That is correct. Well, no. Um, Qui-Gon taught oh, Yoda. Yoda taught, that's right. Yoda taught Obi-Wan yeah. how to do it. Um I think it would have been kind of ridiculous to put Qui Gon. It might be because you would yeah. want one in would the be left then to wonder how come Luke can see him. Why yeah. would Qui Gon come to look at and you know what? Okay, I like that because maybe Qui Gon is there, but Luke doesn't know him, so yeah. he, so Luke cannot see him. I like that. Maybe it's actually like those stupid Verizon commercials where there's like eight thousand <laughs> of them back there. <laughs> yeah, it's all glowing. Yeah, my Jedi network. Mm-hmm. Jesus bright in here. So I I like your interpretation better that that it's a it's a kind of like in the Matrix when um when you're when you leave uh the real world and you go into the Matrix you appear as you see yourself. Yeah. Morpheus sees himself as a a smooth, cool looking dude with glasses with no arms. Yeah. You know, Neo sees himself. The way he does. Trinity sees herself as a hot chick in leather. Mm-hmm. Well, Anakin, in your point of view, Anakin sees himself. He he remembers being more whole and more complete as a younger man. Well, that was the last point in his life where he, you know, felt like himself, where he was happy with himself on the most basic level. If I, I think I think what angered me about it most was that I felt it was disrespectful. To the act to Sebastian Shaw. I, I agree. I think we're we're bending over backwards to let Lucas off the hook on this one. Maybe so. And it's not gonna. No, you know, it's not I'm, a deal I'm, breaker. I'm but not gonna. I, I I'm um because I I agree with the philosophy we're, we're we're dishing out here. That was the last time Anakin was was you know uh, yeah, what you're saying, Brad, about disrespecting the actor. That's fine. But you know he's a paid actor. He's a True. professional. No, I agree. And and you know this isn't his movie. You know. This is Lucas's movie, and he yeah. can do what he wants with it, and and, and I think it's a valid. If point. I look at it the way Bill mentioned, with the the uh, there's a phrase I'm looking for, and you were looking for it too. It's like a self projection. Like, yeah, it's, your, it, it's your just how you see yourself. Form, yeah. your, your, your happiest I, point in life. Then I can deal with it. I can okay. deal with it. At okay, that point. I'm giving Brad a thumbs up right now. Okay, let's just uh, end this with a uh, ranking, and and I'll go first, and then we'll do we'll do Mike, and then you and Brad can do it. Um, so out of the six movies, um, one being the best, six being the worst, where does this rank for me? It is six. It is the worst of the of the trilogy of the six movies. Mike. Well, uh, hey Mike, I, since this I, is the I, first time we've heard from you. List them all for us. Oh, thank you. We know how the three of us feel. Why don't you list? Give us your one through six, best first. My one top, my top through the bottom. Yes. Uh, and I, and I'll I'll go ahead and go on record and saying that's like like Bill says about pizza. I mean, I I hate to say yeah. to say one of these movies is the worst, but one of them is. One of them and, has to be. Uh, my favorite one, uh, my number one is uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Awesome. Uh, number two, The Empire Strikes Back. Number three. Um, Star Wars 4, Attack of the Clones, uh, 
Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi, probably. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge fan of the second trilogy. Huge, huge. I prefer it over the uh, original. Actually, you are you are in a rare category, my How old I am you? I am in a huge minority. How uh, old are he's you? He's our age. Is he our yeah, age? He's he's I'm, pushing. I'm he's pushing forty, just like actually. we are. I'm very surprised. I don't yeah. I'm, I don't count, hold it against you. Uh, no, I much prefer re- the second trilogy. But yeah, Return of the Jedi is is far and away. It's not even in the same league as the other five films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett? For me, it's my fourth favorite. Fourth favorite. Yeah. Okay. It, it's uh, right, right there on my list too. I, although, um, as as my firestorm in episode one, you know, I, I have episode one ranked in the top three. And go ahead. Um, but uh, I, I'd still put episode six probably above episodes two and three. I mean, I think episodes two and three, you know, I, there's a lot of merit in those movies. But again, if you got a list, something's got to be at the bottom of the list. And mm-hmm. I just. Yeah. I, I just I have I have more problems with the way Lucas directed the actors in those movies and the dialogue um, that that for me overwhelm the beauty of the special effects and the technology and I think Episode One is just fun and great and it's it's a living cartoon but Episodes two and three are so dark that I almost don't want you know I don't really want my kid watching Episode three I mean when she's you know a little bit older great but right now the themes are so dark and it just it's not fun. You know, and, and I, I think episode six for me is in the fourth hole um, behind episodes four, five, and one, and ahead of two and three, in my humble opinion. I only I only let my younger daughter, who is mm-hmm. now almost nine, I only let her watch episode three uh, within the last year. Wow. Oh yeah, Revenge of the Sith is like watching a train crash into a daycare center in slow motion. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's oh like, my oh, gosh! <laughs> it's worse and worse and worse. Oh, that's uh, that's pretty descriptive. Dark. Okay, so wow. guys, we want to, uh, we need to wrap up. We're at like the one forty-five minute mark. Well, you um, know, if we hang on just a, a few more minutes, uh-huh. we could actually Bill could actually be on a show that beats Hartzell. Hey, <laughs> well, how um, long was that? Show? Hartzell, you're going down here. Um, <laughs> it was an hour, and we need to go an hour and forty-nine minutes. Okay, so I think we can do that. Um, but here's a couple of interesting, just a couple more trivia, okay. just a couple more trivia things. Um. Uh, I just lost it. Um, we all know about the uh, the Blue Harvest mm-hmm. um, thing. I'd seen something right here that Are was you talking Family Guy or uh... well, the fact that this movie was was filmed under the name Blue Harvest. Yes, mostly uh, to protect anyone. Anyone, yeah. You know, this is yeah. pre-internet, but but yeah. to it says uh, it was filmed in uh, Yuma, Arizona. The 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 part with the uh, sail barge and the sand. Oh uh-huh. wow. Filmed in Yuma, Arizona, the film crew had problems avoiding the 35,000 dune buggy enthusiasts in the area. <laughs> to preserve secrecy, the producers claimed to be making a horror film called Blue Harvest with the tagline, Horror Beyond Imagination, and even had caps and t-shirts made up for the crew. A chain-link fence and a 24-hour security service could not prevent diehard fans from entering the set and sneaking some photographs. Wow. And, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. It, it's so interesting to think how things got... You know, today things are so immediate. If we hear something about a movie, it'll be on the net in a few minutes, and then we all know it. Um, you know, for that to happen, you know, someone had to take a picture, get it developed, talk to someone at a magazine, maybe get or a newspaper, maybe get it published, and then from there, someone had to maybe call someone and maybe even fax it to them, the story. I mean, think about just how how rumors moved back then. And we're only talking 20, you know... With mimeographs, Xeroxes, and teletypes, huh? Yeah, I, isn't that and crazy? And sneak past George Lucas's 
ten-story uh, Android enforcers. <laughs> yes. They can ask, aren't you a little short for an Android enforcer? <laughs> David Prowse only portrayed Darth Vader completely for the first half of the movie. In the second half of the movie, the character was played by Bob Anderson, a stuntman, during the fight sequence for all the oh uh, lightsaber battle. Okay, which is a beautiful battle, by the way. Yeah, I re- yes, I, that was top notch. I really did think, um, you know, like I've said before, I think the lightsaber duel in the Phantom Menace is by far the best. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed the lightsaber duel in uh, Return, uh, re- yeah, Return of the Jedi. I yeah. think it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. I remember there's a lot of feeling the, in it. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, you know, compared to the uh, one thing that the the second trilogy gets over the first one is obviously the lightsaber duels. But uh, I had forgotten that uh, the light, because even the lightsaber duel in uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back is it was awesome, and it left you kind of on the floor, you know, in a puddle of your own sweat at the time. But looking on it now, it's like, oh, that's nice. You know, mm-hmm. it's nothing, you know, compared to Yoda and Dooku or even compared to, you know. So it surprised me when I'm watching episode six and, you know, to be just totally blown away by the action, the sequencing of that battle, the pacing of it, mm-hmm. all that. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, I think the the lightsaber battle in, in Empire holds up. I, I think for me that would probably in my top three. Yeah. Uh uh, Darth Maul being the first, Anakin Obi Wan being number two, and uh, Darth and Luke and the Empire Strikes Back. That would probably be my list too. Yeah. Okay. Well, that being said, guys, we want to thank you for taking this six film journey with us. I mean, it has been six. We yeah. have covered plus, plus plus the Clone Wars plus the Clone animated, Wars animated. And plus we, we get into Hartzell. Uh, oh, we. We're, 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 we're there. Won, we did buddy. it. You won. You're, 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 you're there. Friend. By the time we by the time we finish all by this, the way, you were there, baby. Bill, uh, Todd wanted me to tell you hello, mm-hmm. and uh, that um, he has a man crush on you. I'd just like to say back to Todd. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good. Guys, we want to thank you for uh, for you know being on this journey with us and all the feedback and stuff like that. And we've gotten a lot of great response from this. So we've decided to do another movie series, and we've gotten several great suggestions, but Brad and I decided with Indy, Anna Jones, and uh, what, what's the name of the movie? Uh, and the, the Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull coming out this year, uh, this summer, we have to do the first three. So that's going to be our next series. Yay! We're going to do Indy. Now, Brad, let me ask you about yes. this. Future we, we have we have not talked about this. Do we want to watch them in the order they were released or the order that they take place? That I've actually thought of that, and um, I think we should just do it in the order they were released. Okay. So in that case, we will we will do the movies. We will do Raiders. We will do Temple. We will do Last. And then, uh, of course, hopefully by then we will have seen Crystal, and, uh, and then we can do a review and talk about it. When is... Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull Let's being released. Let's see if I have that in my notes. I do not have that in my notes. I don't know. This Mike, summer. Uh, May 28th, I believe. Thank May you. May 28th. Um, Hope we can do it, Brad. <laughs> no, we can, do it. we can do it. We'll do it. Okay. We'll, we'll definitely make a point to do it. I know okay. it's right during, right, in the, right smack in the middle of the Big 12 baseball championship, and that's when Bill nice. and I saw Phantom Menace. Right? Dang right. God, that was one of the great nights of my adult life <laughs> that didn't include like childbirth or getting married. Uh, India is coming out on uh, May 22nd. By the way, okay. That's, okay. What, that's what website uh, sources. Lucas say. likes to release his his movies in those er, those twenties. Yeah, mm-hmm. 20. Memorial Day. 
Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. These, uh, these, it, certainly not new, but uh, they're releasing them on Wednesdays these days. That's yeah. uh, that's kind of a friend cool. of mine. Um, they get a longer weekend. weekend for the box office. Oh heck yes. A friend of mine who's a big Star Wars fan, and I won't name him. Um, it, it's Todd Hart. Because I don't know if he'd, he'd want anybody to know this or not, but um, he, he's such a big Star Wars fan that he um, at one point, uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure if, if it actually ever got off the ground, but he was going to start a film production company and call it 525 Productions. I believe that was the name. I know 525 was part of the name uh, because the original Star Wars movie was released May 25th. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah. Awesome. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's just, a great name. Yeah. He, it just, uh, okay, it was Todd Hartzell. <laughs> I wasn't going to... Better than Plan B. I wasn't going to out Todd Hartzell. You know what? I may have to ask him about it yeah. if it's okay to talk about it, and if it's not, I'll have to pull this out of the show. But okay. Whatever. Well, with that being said, because he is my boss now, I can yeah. do what he says. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, guys. With that Sorry being said, that. with with a uh, um, Bill with Bill winning the longest show ever for a half hour wasted, Mike. Respect we would like to uh, we bank. would we would like to thank you for joining us. We thank hope you, you thank enjoy you. It's it. It's been a lot of fun. We want to thank everyone out there for listening. Brad, why don't you hit that, that close music? Yeah, and uh, if you have comments, visit us at thecomicforums.com. Drop us an email, halfhourwasted at gmail.com. And, of course, you can get us on iTunes. Yep. Or drop us a voicemail, Brad. What's that number for a voicemail? Voicemail is 641-715-3900, extension 775064 pound. All right. Mike, thanks for joining us. Bill, thanks for joining us. And thank you, Limp Biscuit. And we'll see you next week on a half hour wasted. You bet. <laughs>